We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 285. Thanksgiving week, Scott. It's a short week, short week on work. Uh, only a couple days before you get to stuff your face. Sit on the couch all day, watch some football. I guess you have a kid now, so maybe you have a little bit more of a busy schedule than I do. Well, yeah, and I'm hosting Thanksgiving for the first time, so there's first no time ever. On the, yeah, well, last year my wife and I were uh, we we uh, we did the, um, the the small version of it with just the three of us, but this year uh, we got lots of family coming in. I think there's going to be 15 of us. So yeah, I'm hosting or we're hosting our first Thanksgiving. <laughs> 15 people. Lots of uh, lots of food, lots of football. I'm trying to create some activities. How many you pounds? Know, is so the that there's, um, I think I got a twenty some pound turkey, twenty pound turkey, something like that. And you're you're doing all the cooking? Uh, I'll do some of it. My mother in law will do a bunch uh, as well. Bevan will be uh, will be kicking in. It'll be a it'll be a team effort. 
What's Kemp going to do? I'll, I'll probably be in charge of the turkey. Kemp will be there waiting for scraps, asking for more, 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 more of anything and everything, and throwing balls all over the house. Nice. You, uh, is he a righty or a lefty? He's, gonna, he's throwing righty. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely uh, going natural with throwing righty, but okay. you know, we're working on that lefty stroke. Right. He's going so. to be hitting lefty for sure, and uh, he's going to be throwing righty. So it opens up the possibilities for middle infield for him. Because you know, if he, if he, can, if he can get that left-handed throwing motion down, he could be a journeyman reliever, bank $3 bucks a year for 15 years. No, I mean I've thought about this. Long long-term <laughs> prospects if you're going to be an athlete, like your your I think your best chances to become a professional athlete are left-handed middle reliever, go the Mike Stanton route, you have a job forever. And the um and then the second the second job is being a field goal kicker. And I think that is something that he can do. Like if you start a kid like if we lived in China or Russia and you're you're you know, this is what you're going to be and you you identify that from age like 2 to 3 and it's field goal kicking, I'm pretty sure I could get him into the NFL. But field goal kicking is one of those things that it's a thankless job. So it, it, you uh, it doesn't matter. O- you, you can you know only how much money up. they're making? I know. That's fine. I, I know. I know. It's a lot, lot of pressure, though. And then they're not even looked at as real football players from their teammates. You don't need to be a real football player. You just need to go out there. And look, you're a real football player if you do your job well. They, they certainly look at guys like Vinatieri or um, you know some of the, the better kickers in – the, in in the clutch, they look at those guys as real as real as real football players. Just, I, I think if you're a bad kicker, then they're like, who who is this guy? Get him off my team. But if you're learning that and that that's your thing from age three, you know, chances are you're gonna be pretty good. So we have an interesting episode this week. Scott and I are gonna go through a few topics like we normally do. But in the second half of this show, we did an all-time Yankees draft segment with Joe's McFly who you guys are familiar with from Yankees Twitter. He has a YouTube channel. He's been on our podcast. He was on last spring training. And then Brad, who runs the Dugout Legends account. I'm sure you guys follow that on, on Twitter. If you don't, you should definitely follow it. They're, they do a ton of uh, giveaways and stuff like that, a lot of baseball history. What we did was we did a little snake draft with the four of us, drafting our all-time best Yankee teams. Uh, it was an interesting segment, but I think uh, listeners are going to like it. Yeah, it was fun to do. It was, uh, you know, it's when you're looking at uh, the all-time Yankees and you're looking at like a, a just a total list. Obviously, there's a ton of really good players, so there's there's interesting ways that you can go. There's there's we're gonna put it out there so you can everybody can vote on Twitter who they think has the best team. But honestly, when you're looking at the amount of players that you have and and the the top tier talent, it's pretty ridiculous. So it's an, definitely an embarrassment of riches. Um, Yankees but, uh, are really uh, the only team way. you can do that with. Like all other teams, you're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel pretty quickly. Where, yeah. yeah, we had to get some creative on some picks. Maybe some of us overreach because you have to draft for position. But for right. the most part, I mean, you're drafting powerhouses. Yeah, you're drafting powerhouses. But then towards the end, you know, you have to fill positions, and you know, maybe you're constructing your lineup a little different than than you know one would think. So you have to put in more of a role player. Uh, with the all-time team. So, I don't know. It just got interesting. I definitely have a couple guys on my team I've, I would never have thought of uh, that I'd put on any kind of an all-time Yankee list. Well, but. because they're not. If you're making... Right. We each drafted 10 players, and if you're making yeah. a top 10 list, even a top 40 list, which is there were 40 players taken, some of those players are not going to show up. But because we had to draft a By third position. baseman, a second baseman, a relief pitcher, a starting pitcher, you had to get creative towards the end. So, I think that's what made it fun. Uh, again, that segment will be coming up shortly. Um 
And and just to go to go along with that real quick, uh, Brad from Dugout Legends, uh, they they do a lot of memorabilia. Um, they have a uh, a shop up in Cooperstown too, so they're very involved with the Cooperstown community and the baseball community and the Hall of Fame weekend. They do a lot of really cool stuff. But um, Brad's going to supply a mystery box, a mystery Yankees box of uh, of memorabilia or baseball cards or um, something. It's going to be a mystery box that we're, he's going to be giving away. Uh, and we'll what we'll do is we'll put out a promotion on Twitter. Uh, and, and, and so that the winner will, will choose a winner, Brad will choose a winner and, uh, whoever wins that, that contest will get a mystery box of Yankees memorabilia or baseball cards or whatever it is. Okay. A couple things, uh, happened this week. There was a, a few different points on social media where my entire timeline, people were melting down. So one of them was snowmageddon on Thursday night when yes. the entire city of New York just shut down because I guess, uh, the, this, the Manhattan just decided not to plow any streets, not to salt any streets. And we got like three inches of snow in a matter of two hours and it was slushy and wet. And, uh, I tweeted out a picture and it was just every single road you could imagine was the deepest, darkest red it, Google maps was like, screw this. We don't even know. Just leave your car, abandon your car, walk home because that'll be faster. So that was meltdown. Number one meltdown. Number two was Miguel Andujar rookie of the year snub from Shohei Otani. I mean, that's the, yeah, that, the meltdown in New York, it wasn't even just New York too. It was New Jersey. There was a lot of really horrible parts uh, uh, and not just the city. You're going upstate. Uh, my sister, my brother-in-law took him a stupid amount of time to go what normally is 20 minutes. Uh, so yeah, it was a complete cluster by, uh, by the tri-state area. Good, good job on the uh, public officials making sure that everybody was taken care of. Um, but yes, the, uh, the other giant snub of, of the week for us. And I think one that we kind of saw coming, uh, unfortunately it was like, you saw the writing on the wall, the way that the baseball writers are and how pretentious they are. They, they give you their, their reasonings for things. And you know, if you don't fall in line with their reasonings, well, you're stupid. And they're the ones that are stupid because they picked the wrong guy. <laughs> they they picked you, the wrong guy for rookie of the year. Do you care? Do you honestly care? It's just annoying, honestly. You know what I do care about is is some of the just the gall and like some of the um, some of the the responses and the reasonings that I've heard from from these guys and the fact that like they when they say it like duh they're like how do you not think of that this is exactly the reason why i i'm justified because of this and if we don't go along with their reasonings then you know we're the dumb ones but clearly you're looking at uh two players if you're just talking about otani and just talking about anduhar um that had very different seasons obviously very different players but very different seasons too as, as far as being on the field and apparently that doesn't matter well, it was the novelty of Shohei Otani that won him the award. And There's no doubt about he it. He came over and he was a much better hitter than anyone ever thought he was going to be. They thought, remember, I mean, the the scouts were like, he can pitch in the major leagues, but there's no way this guy is a big league hitter. He didn't he bat like under 100 in spring training or something. And they said he offensively, he belongs in double A. And then he comes up and he actually puts up pretty damn good offensive numbers. His O war this year was 2.7. So that's pretty freaking good for, for a guy who wasn't supposed to be able to hit at the beginning of the year. And then pitching, he didn't suck. <laughs> I know he only threw 50 innings or whatever it was, and, but he was decent. He was a decent starting pitcher. He threw really hard, and he had a nasty splitter. So everyone, they, they couldn't contain their excitement. They, the baseball writers could not contain their excitement over Otani. That is 100% the reason why he won the award. Because you can always find inconsistencies 
in writers voting. It's an imperfect system. Like two years ago, Michael Fulmer won because he pitched an entire season and he was steady Eddie the whole year. Whereas Gary Sanchez, a lot of people thought he got snubbed because he only played two months, but they were a, a two months, August and September, that no one had ever seen from a rookie before. So do you want the wow factor or do you want the consistency? That year they wanted the consistency. This year they wanted the wow factor. And it's going to change every freaking year. And to get mad over it, you're just spinning your wheels. So just Well, see, see that's the thing. The, the fact that they – like that's a great example of what you just said because – they basically chose Sanchez this year. That's that's essentially what they did. Yep. They went for the flash in the pan. They went for the guy that that did things that we've never really seen before. Um, and and you know what? When you're looking at the amount of time played, that definitely went into consideration when Sanchez was not chosen. But it was not chosen. It was not taken into consideration as much on this one. And some of the most ridiculous reasons. I think it was Jeff Passan who was on uh, Joe and Evan. I was listening to them. Um, I forget what day it was, but. The fact that these guys are totaling at-bats with him facing, talking about plate appearances, where Andujar had 606 and then plate appearances for Otani, while he, uh, at the plate he had uh, 367, 367, and then they're adding in the <laughs> the, the, the batter's face well, when he was a pitcher. You have to add it in. Bullshit. Because then if you're... If you're if that's the case, then you should be looking at every rookie pitcher or for any, any of these awards for looking at plate appearances that you could add in every pitch and they're going to have way more plate no, 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 appearances but, than but any it's, batter. It's it, skewed. It doesn't make sense. But it's, it's the, different. It, it, yes, I understand what you're saying and that is a good point. Um, I thought you were going to say, well, then you have to add in every time Miguel Andujar fielded a ball. <laughs> and no. that's the reason he lost is because he was a minus 2.2 defensive war player. That's not the reason he lost. Yes, the reason he lost is because Otani was a shiny new object and they wanted to choose him because this is the guy that's done that work that went on both sides of the ball uh, and, and and nobody's done that before. The they were excuse, enamored. Okay, what I meant is the excuse writers are using is that Andujar was a very, very negative defensive player. So yeah. that's the excuse they're using because he had a four point six offensive war, which is phenomenal. If he was just middle of the road average I think that more writers would have had a harder time voting against Andujar. You know, I, when you're talking about that, I'd love to look back at, at some of the offensive position players who won Rookie of the Year and see what their defensive metrics are, because I guarantee a lot of them are probably not good for first-year guys. That's but where you see a lot of deficiencies. Player? You're always competing against another player. Like, sometimes there's no player that gives them a run for their money. And, I understand and it's not that. every year that you have Aaron Judge come in and do things like hit 50 home runs and have a thousand OPS and have a season that no one's ever had before. Like that's the, that's the rare thing. The, so the, 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 the fact that the, like I, I didn't get worked up because it was chosen because I kind of expected it. But the problem here, there's, there's multiple problems, but the fact that they are not consistent with how they do things each and every year is, is, is a problem to me. It's like, annoying. There's, there are so many baseball back-end writer things that are annoying as shit. Uh, Otani, the fact that they tried to use and you, and literally put this in their explanation of plate appearances as him as a pitcher is utterly ridiculous and makes no sense. Uh, and and when you're looking at Andujar, the fact is he was a major contributor on a playoff team and he was probably one of their more consistent bats and and really was one of the, the reasons they actually got to the playoffs because there were when Judge got, was down, uh, Andujar was, was there and, and stepped up. You know, the fact that he was not a big strikeout guy too, like he put back to ball uh, more than a lot of 
uh, definitely more than you would expect from uh, a rookie position player. But you know, they're they're trying to they're coming in and they're and they're using these votes. And the fact that the other thing, the the one the other thing that pisses me off, it was a landslide. It wasn't like oh, this was a tough toss up. All the voters knew what they were doing. They all talked behind the scenes, and it was a consensus decision before they even voted. It's all a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, and Duhar, when you look at his rookie ranks, first in home runs, well, tied with 27. First in doubles, 47. First in RBIs, 92. First in hits, 170. Second in runs scored, 83. And third in OPS, 855. Yeah, that guy. He was an offensive juggernaut. Yes. And I really think that... Again, if he was just mediocre defensively, I think it wouldn't have been a landslide. Maybe he wouldn't have won, but I think it would have been a lot closer. As a logical thinker, that's what you would come to a conclusion. Yeah, you, that's what you would you would decipher from what you just said. But no, that's not true because they all decided what they were going to do beforehand. So you can't be the guy that's going to, uh, to vote against the consensus in the Baseball Writers Guild because you'll get... You'll get poo-pooed on. You'll get egg, you'll, they will turn the cold shoulder on you, and who knows? You may not get the right seat at the next uh, at the next dinner at the next uh, you know writers gala. Who knows? There's so much bullshit that goes on behind the scenes of uh, of what those guys do. So I'm not even I'm not even gonna go out and say that if he were mediocre, if he were just an average defensive player, that it would have made a difference because I don't think it would have. So uh, you can make the I mean, so it's pretty cool that the Yankees. For three straight years, they had Gary Sanchez finish second in the Rookie of the Year, could have easily won it. Judge win it, and then Andujar finish second, could have won it as well. That's three straight years you bring up players, and they are, if not the best rookie, they're the second best rookie in baseball or in, in the American League. Yeah, let's hope uh, let's hope Andujar can can follow up, kind of like Judge did, um, and not go the Sanchez route uh, this past year. Although I do believe there are greener pastures for Gary Sanchez coming up. And uh, there's still players in the Yankee system that could make an impact next year. I mean, Clint Frazier, if he gets a full-time role, he could be in Rookie of the Year talks. Yeah, are the at-bats, he didn't have enough oh, at-bats? did he? You, you act, he you're may have, right. I think he may have had too many at-bats. Uh, but, uh, you know, there, there's definitely uh, guys that can make... I'm looking that up right now. They can uh, make, some, uh, make some noise. Yeah, he had 142 plate appearances in 2017. So you're right. He's probably no longer qualifies, but... But um, the, I mean, my my overall point is that the the youth the the team. good the youth is okay. <laughs> the yeah, youths, I mean, I mean, you mentioned uh, the youth is okay, the youth is okay. The, these kids, when we're talking about um, Glaber or uh, Andujar was too Glaber Torres completely uh, overshadowed with this was also you know a top three was was up there in the conversation as well. Who had a very good year. And what we both think uh, our conclusion is that in the second half he really wasn't healthy. We don't think that that hip was right. So you know in the first half of the season, if we're getting that Glaber Torres, well, you know, that's, he would have very possibly been uh, rookie of the year uh, considered at least, although he probably would have gotten snubbed too by Shohei Otani. Because what do you think? Would have already made that decision. It would have been like a nuclear explosion last year. Worlds like, what would the writers have done? Say if Otani had came over to the Amer- uh, to the major leagues last year and, and it up was against Otani against judge. Yeah, there would have been a much bigger, um, <laughs> much much bigger outcry with uh, with injustice. This one, I feel like people saw coming. If if they were to choose a guy like Otani with what he did this year, and and if we're matching up just the two seasons, I mean, it would have been atrocious, an absolute atrocity. 
Um, all right. I mean, I, I, you're frustrated over it. I don't care because I'm I, more frustrated in the process and the way that things are. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't want it to be this way any longer because we know what's going to happen. But There's going to be a bunch of shenanigans. All the awards. All I know. The awards are like, this, I know. And I'm done getting angry over it. The hall of fame, like all these votes, all these voting processes with these writers, it's a bunch of horse shit. So like, don't get upset over it. Cause really I wasn't upset matter. about it until we, until you brought it up and we started talking about it. <laughs> I was fine. Happens, like, isn't it? I had suppressed everything and like, I was good. There was no outcry because I, I did expect it. But now that we start talking about it and, and we're actually having a conversation. Yeah. It's pissing me off as I'm, as I'm going and it's making me more mad. And I'm just, I was, when I heard his explanation, it's the explanations and like the, the, um, the arrogance behind the tone of what they're saying that, that is probably what gets me the most. It's like we start talking about something. You're like George and Seinfeld. George is getting upset. Getting very upset. Uh, let's, well, here, let's talk about somebody who definitely won't get you upset. And that's Sonny Gray. (laughs) Uh, Rumors are swirling over Sonny Gray. Apparently a bunch of teams are in on him. So did we underestimate the Sonny Gray market? Uh, I I don't think that we truly underestimate. I think there was, we both agreed that there was a value there, but they, you know, had to get past (laughs) The um this past year because you could sell a guy I think off of off of a career and and you know where he has been and where people think they can be and and, and you know build a narrative contract, of a, his aging his contract, contract is still yes. good so I still think there's a very large con, uh, group of GMs that still like him as a player and maybe they believe him in the, in the fact you know all the things that he said maybe he's convinced guys uh, or or maybe previous employers have seen enough. Uh, that they, they they do believe that there's something else in there. It's certainly not going to be the value that we got him. Uh, there's that's gone. But there is he's definitely a player that I think some people think that there's a diamond in the rough and they could they could you know get one for uh, get some good value. Well, apparently there's value there's, there. There's multiple teams involved, which is good news for the Yankees because that means that Brian Cashman doesn't have to just take whatever the team is offering. He can actually right. use it as a bidding war. It's not going to be three prospects like Caprellian and Mateo and, uh, and Fowler, but you might be able to get some sort of value, whether it's a piece you can plug into the majors right now, or it's somebody who's a long shot who might turn into a diamond in the rough. Well, and I wouldn't also, I would, I would definitely look at this also as a, a, a possible scenario where, you know, Brian Cashman can build on it. You know, he sees, he sees some interest in Sunday Gray from a team, and then he can start diving more into what they have. And, you know, maybe he adds a, a prospect or two or cash considerations or, or you know, takes more of a, a contract of a, of a given player or whatever it is. He could start being more creative at that point and, and make this more about, uh, you know, a larger package rather than just Sunny Gray. And, and, and when you're talking about that, there could be more of a potential return in value. I think uh, if you're Brian Cashman, so when you're looking at one-on-one, like it is what it is kind of, but you start, you start mixing and matching. Then there's more of a perspective value, I think um, with minor leaguers. So I think Cashman could get a little, little cute with this and, and do some creative things. And if you're any of these teams, if you're the Reds who are one of the leading contenders, apparently, or, or even Oakland A's, which I think would be, that would be just, Billy Bean just sticking it to Cashman, right? I mean, I don't know. It, it's it, it, on sir on the on face value, it makes sense because we've seen he's had success there in the past, and obviously, new scenarios and new situations for Sonny Gray are a little too much for him to handle. And nobody knows how he's going to walk into a situation. But if he goes back to Oakland, well, I think they know enough about the situation where they can almost, uh, if he's healthy, they can expect something a little bit more. But they so, traded him because, well. 
I guess they didn't think they were going to contend as soon as they did this year, but they also or they knew they something. Didn't, they didn't want to pay them either. Yeah, and and they're not going to have to give up. I mean, it would be, it would be uh, you know nickels on the dollar at that point for for what they would get back. But it, I think it would be more egg on face for Brian Cashman than anything. To, right, to he might not Oakland. do it to Billy back to Billy Bean, even if that's the yeah. best offer on the table, just to save a little face. Right, and well, and also knowing that Oakland now, when you look at their lineup. Uh, today and, and the makeup of their team, it's different from when that deal was made. Like this is a, a, a absolute legit contender now and uh, a team that is on the rise. Are you going to add a guy like that who could possibly go back and have success? Um, because we, we took out the stats uh, for his home and, home and away splits. And I think this is one of the bigger um, you know areas where Brian Cashman can lean on. His away numbers were you know, pretty good. 15 games, 71 innings pitched, 3.17 ERA, uh, 1.15 whip. Where at home, he was at a almost at a 7 ERA, 1.9 whip at six, you know, 59.1. So almost 60 innings pitched. So there was a, the there was definitely a tail. Look at that. Same number of games. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, 11 fewer innings because there were some games where he couldn't get out of the second inning at Yankee Stadium. So if that doesn't say that I'm a weak little bastard and I can't pitch in New York, I don't know what does. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 pretty telling. Well, it's it, when you isolate the numbers like that, and there's so much more to it. Um, you can that shit's in, frustrating when you see that, by the right? Way. But you can go into his his Brooks baseball card on Sunny Gray. I saw Mike Petriello, who um, has been on our podcast in the past, sort of breaking down Sunny Gray and his pitch usage and his velocity and movement, all that stuff. You can dive into a million things with Sunny Gray, but when yeah. you're just at like a higher level, home and road. It cl- it's it's so clearly mental. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. He couldn't handle it. Could not handle it. And that's unfortunate because, you know, I'm not going to say he has the stuff because I cannot handle him saying that. Uh, but he's got the talent. The talent's there somewhere. We've seen the talent. They just uh, couldn't figure out a way to have it show up at Yankee Stadium. I'm not blaming anybody else. I'm blaming all on, on this man's shoulders. He couldn't figure it out. He couldn't you don't blame out his damn mental abilities. Brian Cashman and the front office for not analyzing a player's yeah, uh, makeup correctly? No, I, I'd say there is some blame in that in that regard and, and how he uh you know, how he works with uh you know away and, and home and, and and how he was. I mean there were there was writing on the wall when we talked to uh so the beat reporter from Oakland, Jane she Lee. was telling us yeah, Jane Lee was telling us they saw that makeup. They saw those awkward conversations after he had a bad what start. Was her, what did she say her first reaction was to the news? Like, oh, how is he going to deal with that media? The, with the media. That was her first yeah. thought. Like, how is this guy going to deal with the New York media? And and the fact that, that Brian Cashman and, and their team uh, didn't do the due diligence on that. Like, ask a couple beat reporters how that's going. How they could have gotten, I think, a different story. And, and you know, maybe they did and, and just didn't use it as much of a consideration. But obviously, it, uh, it, it played into what happened. Yep. Yeah, it's a shame how uh, the year and a half of Sonny Gray we're going to look back on, and we're gonna we're gonna be annoyed because he's gonna go somewhere, whether it's Cincinnati or some other small market team, and he'll be a good pitcher. I know he will will be a good pitcher. Yep, he will. He will absolutely be an effective pitcher, and it will be infuriating. And if he ever pitches against the Yankees, um, I hope it's at Yankee Stadium. That's (laughs) that's. I just hope it's at Yankee Stadium. Uh, So, final thing. I mean, we're we're kind of just in. the just so many rumors going around. Brian Cashman's been doing his his media rounds on radio and TV and all that stuff. His comments about big game hunting and there's no mandate to stay under the luxury tax. I guess it's good that he's saying that publicly. 
the, the wallet's going to be open for either Machado or Corbin or Dallas Keuchel's been rumored now. Like Dallas Keuchel talking about he'd be willing to shave his beard. At, le- at least he didn't alienate the Yankees like David Price did a few years back. Yeah, it's not a good business decision to, to alienate the Yankees in a free agent year. Pretty, pretty bad, um, especially being a left-handed pitcher, knowing how well they play in Yankee Stadium. But, you know, they're talking about everything when they're when they're talking about big game hunting. That's was one of the quotes we saw a lot. Um, but, it, it, you know, it goes into uh, Bryce Harper, too. I mean, there's there's a possibility there. You know, Boris is pumping it up. Uh, but at this point, we're just looking at a bazillion rumors, everybody trying to get the first little glimpse of a take. And if they can if they could sneak it in somewhere beforehand, they can say, I told you so. But it's all speculation. Yeah, we've done enough speculation for Machado and Harper, I think. Right. I, I totally agree. Yes. If it happens, then there may be multiple moving parts because I just don't see, you know, I think the biggest thing is when you're looking at the long term contract and the fact that Stanton's on the books and the fact that they're going to have to sign some of these uh, young guys that are coming up uh, at some point down the road. It's going to be tough to have another one of those those uh, long contracts. So if they do sign one of these guys, to me, maybe it's uh, some, something else happening as well, moving, um, you know, other moving pieces that, that make it fit better. So who knows? So coming up is that all-time Yankees draft that we talked about. This, this is some of the content we want to do more of this offseason, like we've been saying, the evergreen stuff where you can p- press play on it at any point. Um, doesn't have to do specifically with either a trade or a specific game or, or rumors or whatever. So this is one thing we're going to do more of. It was a lot of fun with uh, Joe's McFly and Brad from Dugout Legends. Before we get to that, though, Scott, you want to tell the people about Robinhood? Yeah, Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone and and not just the wealthy. It's an easy app to use. It's non-intimidating for stock market newcomers uh, to invest for the first time with confidence. You don't have, again, no commission, so each trade is completely free. Um, as far as the back end, Robinhood fees, there are none, which is awesome. It's simple and intuitive, a clear design uh, that's data is, is presented in an easy to digest way. Uh, some of the values, obviously, I talked about the no commission. I mean, that's huge because you're looking at other brokerages and their apps that charge up to you know $10 per trade. And that can add up very quickly, especially if you're a newcomer and you're trying to get your feel in the, you know, for the markets and, and doing, uh, doing this as a beginner. Those $10 trades can certainly add up and... Uh, and take a, a nice chunk out of your out of your profit, or if you're not doing so hot, can add to your losses. Um, it's easy uh, to to flow through. The design is very easy to, easy to use. You can uh, you can use the charts they have in there. Uh, they have line charts. Uh, the they have uh, a new feature in the app that has candles, so you can do your standard looking at charts and and see how things are working. And you can learn by doing because there are no fees. You can learn to invest and build your portfolio as you go. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at bronx.robinhood.com. That's bronx.robinhood.com. The Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Yes, my lord. Yeah, from the slums of Shaolin. Cross that water to my peaks in New Jerusalem. Beneficence, INS, your highness. Let's go. All right, what's up, guys? We have a little bit something special for you today. We are doing an all-time Yankees draft. I will explain what we mean by that in a second. But we're joined by Brad. He owns the Dugout Legends uh, account at Dugout Legends. I'm sure you've seen that on Twitter. 
And we have Joe's McFly, who has been uh, on this podcast before, and he's all over Yankee social media. Brad, what's up? How are you? And Joe, how's it going this morning? Going, going great. <laughs> yeah, feeling we're, good. We're putting going faces good, on. We're good. Sunday morning, and you know everybody's chipper, ready to roll, ready, ready yeah. to draft some, some, uh, some Yankees. Yeah. So what we're gonna do is there's four of us, and we're gonna be snake drafting. Um, everyone who plays fantasy football or fantasy baseball, I'm sure is familiar with that. We're drafting our all time great Yankees lineups, uh, 10 positions, the regular nine starters pitcher and a relief pitcher. But the rules are you cannot draft somebody who has already been taken off the board. So I'm sure Babe Ruth will go pretty early on in this draft. Once he's drafted, that player is no longer available. The guy has to have played, uh, at least a thousand plate appearances for the Yankees or pitched 500 innings as a starter or 100 innings as a relief pitcher in order to be qualified for this draft. And if you want to get sneaky and draft maybe Randy Johnson for your team, thinking, hey, I'm going to get the uh, Seattle Mariners, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, Randy Johnson on my team, that's not what's going to happen. You're going to get that piece of crap that was pitching for the Yankees in the mid-2000s. So you can't get sneaky that way. So if any, the of, these, if any of these guys had uh, had played appearances as a pitcher and as a batter, does that do we combine them like a lot of the baseball writers are doing with Mister uh, Shohei? Is this, is this part of what we're doing or no? Uh, I mean, if you, I guess if if they add up and the, and the, the math works out, but you can't, you know, if you want to say, oh, I'm drafting Babe Ruth and he's going to be a pitcher and a hitter for me, well, the, he only pitched 31 innings for the Yankees, so can't really do that. Um, all right, let's kick it off. The order is going to go Brad, Joe, Scott, and then me, and then we'll, we'll snake it from there. So, Brad, who's your first pick? My first pick is not going to be Babe Ruth. Wow. It's going to be the guy that, uh, what does Michael K say in center stage? The guy that you want in a snake hole, or what is it called? In a fox, uh, in a fox in hole? Fox hole. Fox hole. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in Barra. a snake hole. Yogi Berra. Yogi. Was not expecting that. All right. Uh, why? So you're, you're, you're just picking him because catcher just go, you know, drafting up the middle sort of thing. Yeah. Um, catcher, the, uh, the 10 world series. I mean, he's calling all those. Um, and, uh, Casey Stangle, uh, one of the best ever. One of his quotes is something like, uh, I'll never play a game without my man or whatever. And he's referring to Barra. So I, I found a fun stat on Yogi Berra. He only struck out 414 times in over 8,000 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. That's a 4.9% strikeout rate. Yeah. We've got guys striking out 30-plus percent now in, in today's game, so it's a little bit yep. different. Yep. All right, Joe, who's your first pick? I mean, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. I am going to take Babe Ruth because uh, – oh, yeah, I'm going to take – yeah, I'm going to take definitely Babe Ruth. Um that guy, I mean, for a very long time, home run king, guy eat, eating hot dogs, hitting homers. I mean, am I going to say no to him? I mean, so. You could, yeah, he's you could grab a beer, you could go. grab a hot dog, and he could be your number one pick. It's perfect. Yeah, so I was, and, he, and he still flirted with people in the in the stands while, while doing <laughs> Larger than life. I was looking at Babe Ruth's Wicked, uh, or his uh, baseball reference page, and I was wondering why he only won one MVP award. Do you guys know why this is? I don't think the award is you can only win one at that time. Exactly. Up until 1929, you could not win the MVP award more than once. So that's that why right. everybody's wondering why Roger Peckinpah won over Ruth. I forgot what year it was. <laughs> it was probably 1927 when when yeah. Ruth had uh, 60 home runs or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, Scott. Who's your first pick? 
All right, so I am going with Mr. Lou Gehrig. Obviously, uh, I'm, I'm kind of happy this fell to me because now I'm, I'm closing out one of the positions that doesn't have as many uh, guys as, as to choose from. Outfield, obviously, is, is pretty deep. Um, it, it saddens me that Mattingly will not be on my team, but I cannot pass up the Iron Horse. The man was an uh, unbelievable legend and obviously was, a, was one of the anchors of, of those great Yankees 20s teams. So uh, Lou Gehrig is my choice. Lou Gehrig, 173 RBIs in 1927. That He was batting after Babe Ruth, and that year Babe Ruth <laughs> hit 60 home runs. So he hit with the bases empty 60 times and still was able to drive in 173 runs after, after Babe. Yeah. All right, my first pick is Mickey Mantle. Drafting up the middle, center fielder. If there's one player I could go back in time and watch, it's definitely Mickey Mantle. Yeah, I mean, he was. If I if I had the fourth pick, Mickey was going to be my guy. Um, drafting up the middle is is definitely a good. Uh, he the thing about him is like Mickey's. Mickey is such an interesting character to me, an interesting player because of the off the field stuff. Like the guy played, whether he was hungover, uh, you know, had like broken broken bones. Uh, there was always something wrong with him, and he still put up those numbers. So yeah, I, and he and he hurt his knee early too, like yeah. in '52, or was it? Yeah, on the drain. The drain, yep. And uh, and still uh, never got healed. Yep. So he played his whole career like that. Imagine if he wasn't a drunk. Yeah. Yeah, maybe if I, I always think about it, and I, I used to hear people always say, man, if, if the players from behind, uh, from back then had like the diet and the workout yeah. regimen for the players from today, you know, I wonder what somebody like a Mickey Mantle would have been like. Um, I, 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 I think his career, he would have probably hit a lot more homers had he been a lot healthier, you know? So it was, he was awesome, man. He was triple crown uh, winner. So yeah. He was, he was also great. a gazelle. Like I think people, when they think about Mickey Mantle, they think, you know, home runs, they think about just what an overall good player. But, I mean, he was so fast. He was like a, uh, uh, as far as, like, physical specimen, the the guy that I, for whatever reason, like, think of as, like, a Josh Hamilton type. Like, he's he's a big dude, but he's also, like, super fast, and um, he's got the body of, a, of, like, a LeBron James type. Like, Mickey Mantle was that kind of a special athlete. He was yeah. he was just naturally gifted, so. He was country strong. Yeah. Yeah, well, the I mean, one-armed home runs were pretty good. Yeah. How much are we buying that? <laughs> it, it happened. I think it I'm happened. buying it. I saw it. None of us know. None of us know, I which was, makes it. I was there. Was, you know. was awesome. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> All right. We could do a whole podcast on Mickey Mantle, so I'm going to move yeah. on. My my next pick, because I'm I'm drafting back-to-back here, and I and I feel, I'm feel i feeling good about this pick, Joe DiMaggio. So my outfield right now is Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio. Good luck to the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's tough. Um, it's a good thing the Yankees are em- have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to good players. So we're yeah, right. we're good there. Um, I'm I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna take the first pitcher off the board, and uh, I'm I'm rolling with the Gator Ron Guidry. Um, nice. I love I love that he's uh he, he's got he's got the lefty on lefty. He's you know obviously he should have won the MVP the year he won the Cy Young. What do you win? I think it was uh, 26 games, 25 games. Yeah, 1978. He had a 1.74 ERA um, and a 2.08 ERA plus. So he was essentially twice as good as the rest of the league. Mm. The the man was dominant, absolutely dominant. And and watching him throw was, uh, you know, just looking back at, at some of the clips and, and some of the things you can find on, on Guidry. It was uh, he was a gamer too, man. So um, he's my guy. He's gonna be my number one. Nice. 
All right, Joe. Who, how, how, many pitch, how many pitchers are we drafting? Is there only one? Yeah, just one starting pitcher and one relief pitcher. All right. I'm going to go with Don Mattingly for my second pick. Um, because, you know, Scott actually reminded me, and thank you so much for the information. Yes, they're not as deep in first base as, for example, outfield and, you know, other areas. So um, definitely going with uh, Don Manley. Obviously, we're getting the part of his career. It would have been longer had he not had those back problems. But, I mean, it's Donnie baseball, right? Like, So I this feel- is what you're getting. When you're drafting peak Mattingly, I looked this up, 1984 to 1989, his average season was 327, 43 doubles, 27 home runs, and 97 runs scored. Yeah, not bad, right? Not not yeah. bad. And he was a vacuum at first and base. gold glove. Yeah, you're getting gold glove first base. And uh, a tremendous porn mustache. So yeah, <laughs> not not bad, not bad to uh, go Babe Ruth and then Don Mattingly. I want that hair, man. That hair, just yeah. for the hair coming all the way down half his back, like yes. Although you might be a little left-handed heavy in that order, but I guess at Yankee Stadium, that's not a bad thing. No, I'm building. I'm building for my ballpark, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad, who's your next pick? And you got your drafting back to back here. Okay, so let's go with uh, Miran Rivera for the reliever. Yeah, I, I, I'm aware he's a reliever. Yeah. Any, yeah, any, yeah. <laughs> any other reasons why you want to draft Mo? Um, besides the dominance of, of uh, the dynasty he was a part of, and he was a huge part of it. Um, obviously, Wetland. Uh, you know, started that, and then obviously the reins over to uh, Mo. Um, he's a leader, and uh, you know his his numbers. You can't really argue with those. Point six six WHIP in two thousand eight, which I thought was just insane. And everybody um, knew what was coming. Right, one pitch. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing about Someone Mo. That's like about- that's one of the greatest to me. When you look at how he did it. And the fact that, I mean, he was primarily throwing that cutter and everybody knew it was coming. He was still sawing bats. It was, uh, yeah. that's, that's what to me is like one of the most special things. Like the fact that he did that off of, you know, one, two pitches, but, but really the, the one and, and a long career at that too. Nobody ever caught up to it. It just, you know, with any type of consistency, there were, there were some lucky bastards, but that's it. You know, what pisses me off is when Red Sox fans are like, oh, the Red Sox owned Mariano Rivera because no. He he. What did he have? Like twelve blown saves against them, which was the most against any team. But he also was trying to save like twenty games against them a year because they were always playing in close games. So like maybe it was one blown save a year, which is pretty much what he did throughout his career. He was saving ninety four percent of games. So it just happens once in a while. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you could disparage the pick. You know, even Red Sox fans. I'm like. Guys, more people have walked on the moon that have scored on Mariano in the postseason, guys. I mean, <laughs> I think I think somebody came back. It was a crazy stat. They said that if Mariano came back now and gave up, I think they said something like 43 straight runs, that he would still have a lower e- postseason ERA than Kimbrell. <laughs> and I was like, what is that crazy? That's crazy. That's one of those stats that hurts your brain, and you kind of just <laughs> have to accept it for what it is. And, and uh all right, all right, Brad. Who's your next pick? Next pick. Let's go with Jeter. El Capitan. 
So you're 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 building up the middle pretty strong. You've got a catcher, a uh, a closer, and a uh, a shortstop. Yeah. I don't think I really need to say why about Jeter. You have a lot of leadership <laughs> on your team. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what, who's going to be captain. Gotta, yeah, is is Yogi? Are Yogi and uh, Derek Jeter's leadership qualities going to conflict? Mm. No, no. <laughs> Because uh, Jeter's a very respectful man. Yeah, so, so maybe he's not a leader. Maybe he, the reins of- <laughs> maybe he won't be a leader on that team. Maybe he'll just follow suit. Hey, right. He'll call him Mr. Barrow. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Joe, who's your third pick? Um, yeah, I'm kind of torn between these these two guys, but all right. I'm, all right. You know what? I'm I'm taking I'm taking I'm taking uh I'm taking Alex Rodriguez. Good. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you not having, not making me uh make that decision. <laughs> yeah. Uh almost Well, you know what the crazy thing is, and I was looking at the different third basemen for the Yankees, and third base is definitely one of their weakest all time positions. A Rod's numbers stand out so much. Oh yeah, it's crazy. He's um he's a beast. I mean, we're gonna have allegations aside, right? But <laughs> well, you're you're getting peak A Rod, so you're getting yes. steroid A Rod, who who I is mean, the best A Rod? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, uh, but you know, defensively, he was really good at third base, um, shortstop also. We're gonna put him at third base, obviously, because that's the time that he was with the Yankees, but. I mean, he was—he was. I thought he was great, and for a lot, for a guy that struck out a lot, uh, he hit for average. For well, for back then they didn't consider that average. You know, you're hitting for average, you're hitting over 300. But if you consider it now, he's kind of hitting for average. Guy got on base. You know, he did all those things and homers, bro. He made Yankee Stadium look small. So, uh, gotta take a rod. All right, Scott, who are you taking? All right, I am going to take. Mr. Phil Rizzuto. Holy cow. The scooter. Give me the shortstop. He's going to um, he's going to be an essential part of this team. Probably bat him lead off to uh, to set the table for for the next boys. Uh, but yeah, going with Phil Rizzuto. Not only not only one of the um, he did win an MVP. The numbers 1950. Are, if you yep. look at the only, numbers, if you look at the numbers Yankee of that year, ever. Yeah, that's what's crazy about it. Well, Jeter got robbed, but um, you mm. look at Rizzuto's numbers in that MVP year too, and there, I think a lot of people would scratch their heads of what was what was going on with the numbers. But um, the man won, you know, a ridiculous amount of World Series rings, and he is a Yankees legend on the field and off the field because those those early days when I'm growing up, WPIX, and I will tell you that this didn't. Uh, persuade me a little bit but it did because i used to love listening to him and uh and tom siever um do that uh that channel 11 wpix booth so scooter phil rizzuto is my guy nice all right i got two picks here so i'm first taking thurman munson uh got to get that catcher got to get that leadership in there munson would maybe keep mickey mantle out of the bars so i think that that could go (laughs) a long way for me and then i'm taking the chairman of the board whitey ford he's gonna be my starting pitcher uh, Whitey Ford, I looked this up. So he has the, uh, so we know wins don't matter anymore, right? Well, he was 236 and 106. That's a 690 winning percentage, which is the highest among any pitcher in the Hall of Fame after 1900. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. 
pretty pretty good. And any anybody who has a nickname of Chairman of the Board, I mean that's right. just that, that tells you all you need to know about that man. All right, Scott, you're up. All right, I gotta pick my uh, my catcher. Um, I need to make sure that that is solidified up the middle, and I think obviously uh, one of the guys that uh, played for the Yankees, one of the longest tenured Yankees, 19 years, Bill Dickey, um, also was a manager of the Yankees uh, once he retired at some point, um, but he was a crucial part of uh, of the eight championships. Uh, I think he was in 11 All Star games, uh, and you know the man is a uh, another Yankee legend. So. The other number eight. I was going to say the uh, uh, the first number eight, and then so he's going to be the uh, the catcher of my team. Nice. All right, Joe, you're up. I'm taking I'm taking Thurman Munson. Nah. I already took him. Take already drink. took him. What? He just, Wait, I just taking... took him. Oh yeah. All right. Um. <sighs> the Bill Dickey. All right. So um. Posada. I'm gonna to have to go with Posada. Um, so Jorge Posada, to me, I mean, he was key part of Yankees' recent dynasty, of course. Um, man has five rings. Uh, I, I mean, I, I like Posada. Obviously, he wasn't my first pick. You know, obviously, you guys just heard, <laughs> but. <laughs> don't tell you know, him. Switch hitting catchers, you don't really see them uh, too often. And uh, he's been there for all of the moments, really. Uh, so I'm taking Jorge Posada there. What do we think was happening with Posada in 2007 when he hit 338? Because he never hit over 300 in any other season. That's I don't, I don't, I don't know, like I, where this is going. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not accusing him of anything <laughs> because he only had 20 home runs. That was not his career high in home runs. Mm. Home runs. Ster- I mean, I think there's a misconception about steroids with home runs as well. <laughs> But I'm right. not saying but that he was either. But it's not a Brady Anderson is... type of thing where he goes yeah. from 12 home runs to 50 home runs. Yeah. Mm. But he was just locked in all year. He was the he was the team MVP in 2007. I guess no, A Rod did win the actual MVP. But so maybe Posada he was, right was behind him though. Maybe that maybe Posada was behind A Rod that year, right? Yeah. yeah. He was providing some unbelievable protection for A Rod. Yeah. And that could have been uh, it. That could have been, you know, uh, you know, when you're talking about the lineup construction, when you're when you're behind a guy like that, uh, you know, you're going to get pitches as well. So um, it's, a, it's a good spot to be. And when you're and you, if you're either in front of or behind a guy like A-Rod with the season that he had, I mean, that's going to that's certainly going to help your numbers. All right, Brad, you're up for two picks right now. Right. This is where it's going to start to get interesting. So I'm going to go with Paul O'Neill. Love it. Nice. Because uh, we got uh, we have to have someone, uh, you know, to uh, he plays with rage and passion and uh, winning uh, mentality every single inning of every game. So you got a lot of 90s Yankees on this list. Yeah. And uh, a lot of passion, your, too. A lot of, uh, you, you're pick. definitely getting a lot of passion. passion. Yeah, a lot of, you're, you're definitely getting a passion team. For the sure. passion team. <laughs> I am passion can win one game, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or can win them all. You're up again. Oh, I'm up again. Okay, let's go with Tony Lazeri for my middle infielder. Yeah, he played in the 20s and 30s and was just completely overshadowed by by Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and all those guys. But yeah. he had a 10 10 year run where he had a 123 OPS plus at second base. So that's that's a pretty yeah. good player. 
Uh, all right, Joe, you're up. All right, so I'm going to take. <clears throat> well, um, you know what? I'll take. Like you said, it's getting interesting here because I'm trying to go in a certain position and. Uh, At this point, we're like, it's you're getting it, from here on. It's going to get. Basically, Shopper. how do you want your lineup? How do you want your lineup? That's, exactly. that's what what kind of construction about, right? do you that's want exactly of your lineup? That's what I'm thinking about. Um, all right. So, <clears throat> okay. You know what? I'm going to take a shortstop here. So, I guess I'll take – you know what? Give me Bernie. I'll take Bernie. I'll take Bernie. That's a good pick. I was gonna, I was gonna take a shortstop, and I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm taking Bernie. Bernie Williams, just so underrated. He oh. had, oh, yeah. uh, Bernie Williams had 49.6 WAR. He's 14th all time on the Yankees list. That's crazy. Bernie and, Williams and is, and is robbed of the core four. Yep. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Did we? Yeah, he, and how we, and how he went out was just so ridiculous. It, yeah, it was. Um, that's that's what I was. We were talking about that when we were talking about Brett Gardner and how the Yankees at some point are going to have to sever ties with a guy like that. Like, look what happened with Bernie. It's not like the organization hasn't done it before with a much more prolific player as well. So yeah. they were just chasing championship at that point, though. What was his last year for Bernie? Oh six. They were just so desperate for a championship. They were just kicking guys to the curb, signing whoever they could at that point. Yeah. Um, Scott, you're up. All right. I need to add. I think I need to add a little bit more thump into my lineup to go uh, to give uh, Mr. Gehrig a little bit of, uh, of protection. So I'm going into the outfield, and I'm choosing Mr. Dave Winfield. Mr. May. Mr. Win- yeah, Dave Winfield came over. It was kind of a tumultuous time when uh, Steinbrenner brought him over to be like the savior of the team. Uh, to bring it. He, was, he was dealing with the whole... Um, you know the drama with, that Steinbrenner had with uh, with pretty much everybody on the right. team, but you know specifically hiring and firing managers, Billy Martin specifically. There was a lot of drama that went on, and I think um, you know we make comparisons now, or at least I have made the comparison as far as stature and the way that their their careers are, are hopefully going to line up. But Aaron Judge and Dave Winfield have a lot of similarities in the way that they. The way that they hit, they can both hit for average. They both hit for power. Um, but uh, I'm going to go with the the more established career at this point and go with Dave Winfield. All right. So I am going to take Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson's going to be my leadoff hitter. He obviously is remembered for being in Oakland A, but he played 596 games with the Yankees and scored 513 runs. So he almost scored every time, every game. Um, and then I'm going to take this, this pick might, uh, I don't know if I can do it yet. This is, this is tough. Um, take them, take them, take them. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I like your team way better than my team. <laughs> uh, I already have, I already have a starting pitcher. Do I want to go bullpen or do I want to keep filling in? All right. I'm going to take Greg Nettles because third base is so weak otherwise and uh nettles he filled in for the cap uh, for uh, as the yankees captain after munson died and he spells his name weird so take <laughs> and for that reason i'm taking greg <laughs> g-r-a-i <laughs> uh scott all right all right so we're gonna look 
outside again we're looking at position players position, play, position players are, are relatively deep with this team um in, in historical sense so i'm going to lock up the back of the game uh you don't need one inning you need two innings you need three innings shit you need four uh-huh. innings goose gossage coming in lock uh-huh. it there's and my guy he- now so now we are uh, we're closing games no matter when i need that no matter when Who's- i need the extinguisher Who's going to tell him to shut the fuck up in the clubhouse? This was before. This was before he became an old man yelling at kids to get off of his lawn. <laughs> this is pre-get off my lawn gossage. He came into the Yankees. He was signed in 1978 and uh, finished fifth in the Cy Young and really led them to a World Series. So, yeah, he, he, he definitely puts up on the field. Um, Joe, you're up. And he literally just took my uh, my next pick here. Um, if I'm gonna have a closer, I guess if I'm gonna do a closer for for one year, and I know this is like a what what the hell, just one guy, you know, right there. But are we taking the career, or are we just taking like the best year? Or well, it's a little bit of both. You you're, okay. you're taking them for what they did in their career, but you get peak of that player with the Yankees. So okay. Um, I'm trying to get cute with this pick, right? Maybe I should just chill out because he's probably going to be available later on. All right, so I'll take, um, I will take Reggie Jackson here and, um, some more home run power. Um, got a, got a good amount of it, but you know, um, Obviously, the clutch, the clutch gene is uh, is very yes. is very much live with this man. Absolutely, I got some Hall of Famers on this team here, but so we're we're definitely taking um, Reggie Jackson here. Just... Reggie Jackson could probably coach coach A Rod into not being such a uh, a little diva too. Yeah, dude, Reggie's taken on such a cool role with the Yankees. There there are you know so many sneaky pictures of him everywhere now. He he. He's traveling with the team a lot of the times. Like he's he's mentoring. It seems like everybody everybody has a Reggie Jackson story, and a lot of them now are one on one. It seems like he's taking a lot of time to like individually mentor guys. I I love the the role that he's taken on with the Yankees in their uh, in their office. Yeah, he's always wearing a Yankee minor league hat too. Yeah, yeah. The dude is he's he's um he's becoming like a true leader for a lot of these young guys that they can look up to and get a totally different perspective on things too. Yep, absolutely. All right. uh, Brad, you've got two picks. I'm going. Uh, I gotta do do first base, so I'm going with Luke Voigt. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, Mark Teixeira. <laughs> Mark Teixeira got a bad rap for all the injuries yeah, he did. at the end of his career, but he was he was pretty filthy for for four solid years with the Yankees. Oh, he was, and uh, obviously the. Injuries and all that with his uh, what was it his hand? Uh, his yeah, hand, his his he his broke foot, it. He his, broke it in the yeah, world. His ball. neck, his shoulder, his yeah, back, everything. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, pinky toe. He reminded me a lot of kind of like a Garrig, like a workhorse. Whoa, so, whoa, whoa, whoa! Reminded. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Instead of the iron horse, the glass horse. <laughs> yeah, the Trojan horse, right. the one that fakes you out once you're in the game. And uh, red roll for uh, third base. Okay. He had um, more Yankees years. He, oh, he played with the Yankees his whole nine or ten seasons and um, put up pretty good numbers. Um, 
So I'm going to go with Red Roll. Four straight all-star teams for that man. Yeah. All right, Joe. All right, I'm um, going relief now, and um, <clears throat> I'm going to go with uh, Sparky Lyle. And, um, yeah, that's what I'm taking there. That's a that's a good pick because um, he was the guy before Goose Gossage. He won the Cy Young Award in 1977, another World Series team for the Yankees. Yeah. Not only that, but I noticed that he played, like, a total of well, sixteen years as a reliever back then was actually pretty good. I mean, they didn't really stick around that long. But he apparently he had some really bad like uh, issues. You know, he pitched hurt a lot of the time. So I give him just for guile, bro. I'm taking Sparky Lyle <laughs> for guile. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> uh, all right, Scott. All right. Uh, give me one second. I'm looking up something on this man because I need to fire something off. Beautiful, uh, but I, I can't believe I can't believe that he is still around on the board. A lot of people have him uh, top top ten all time. Um, so I'll say I'm going with Roger Maris. And if I'm getting peak Maris, I'm getting the 1961 series uh, season. And obviously, we know what happened there with the Eminem boys. Uh, Roger Maris is, is the one that kept Mickey Mantle off the streets, housed him, and where were they in Queens or wherever? Yeah. You know, talking about um, all of uh, Roger Maris's small town problems, basically. When and, and, and that was, if you watch the movie, we did a, a review on this movie. It's it's pretty funny the dynamic between the two. Um, you know how uh, Maris was just like such a Midwesterner and just like so, you know. Everything was like, gosh, gee, well, and, and Mantle's coming in there like cursing like a, like a sailor. Um, so a little bit of stability there, too. But uh, give me give me the 1961 season. Roger Maris. All right. So I just realized I don't have a, a shortstop or a second baseman. And, that, and that's that's going to be a problem. So, <laughs> so you can't really win without those positions. Mm-hmm. So I am going to go with Willie Randolph for second base. Nice. And then Mr. Didi Gregorius for shortstop. Wow. Shortstop is pretty thin at this point. And, and uh, even though Didi's going to be out for half a season right now, what he's done over the last three years has been pretty great. So, I mean, great. I, I don't know if I'd, I'd, I'd use the word great when we're talking about this. Uh, well, it's you know, between it was, like him or Buck. this conversation. Yeah. yeah. It's going to, it's between him or Bucky Dent. Like, I don't know. Give I me mean, Didi. you're pretty goddamn top heavy, so it's you're 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 pretty solid up top. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how you do on the uh, on these later rounds. You might you might bury your team. I don't know. There might be some easy outs in your in your, especially if we're talking about like you know June Didi. All right. Well, Didi's going to be like my number nine hitter, so I'm not really worried about it. All right, Scott. Did you pick two? Yeah, okay. Willie Randolph and Didi. Oh yeah, Randolph, right. All right, so uh, I'm gonna fill in the the uh, second base position here. I mean, maybe you could play a little outfield if you wanted to. If we're if we're getting uh, uh, if we're getting a little uh, crazy, I'm going with Alfonso Soriano. Whoa! Give me, give me more of those Soriano. bats. I don't, my uh, my defense. We're not even gonna talk about that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> There's no defense. <laughs> Soriano is uh, is coming in to play second base. Give me more more athleticism on this team. Running the bases. Because uh, he's going to be scoring lots of runs. 
you passed up a Hall of Famer who's still on the board for second base yep. mm-hmm. and a guy who, uh, if it weren't for some steroid allegations, is on his way to the Hall of Fame for second base. Yes, and that's why I'm, I'm certainly not taking the, the second guy that you're referring to because he's dead to me. Uh, yeah. Unless, <laughs> unless there's a trade that brings him back. But the um, – and, and now I'm just going oh, for a we don't, we don't want him back. I'm just saying, unless, unless, he, unless he actually puts that uniform back on, it's, he's dead to me. <laughs> uh joe you're up um wow uh yeah i mean sorry i was pretty sorry i was pretty good underrated right there but it's a lot of it's a lot of strikeouts um i will take mr um tony lazari very he underrated lazari was, was already picked drink, yeah he was picked drink, a while ago drink again oh shit okay um uh, you know what you know what? i'm taking cano then (laughs) yeah Yeah, i'll take cano oh my god i got a lot of i got these roid guys on my team all right so um (laughs) your team (laughs) we got got an all-passion team we got a we got an all-roid team my team's gonna get suspended (laughs) (laughs) yeah right all right so um yeah, so Robinson Cano, for a very long time, he was on his way for, to be the best Yankee second baseman. Um, left-handed bat. Uh, well, I don't know. They're shifting him now with the way that everything. But he used to be a line-to-line hitter, his defense, um, and the whole package with Cano. I mean, I guess the, with the steroid stuff. But. I've always been a Cano fan. He was he was always one of my favorite players for the Yankees. And, Had one uh, of the best Sterling calls too, right? Like, oh yeah, definitely. And that. underrated stat about Robinson Cano: he did not miss any games with the Yankees. He played like 160 games for seven straight seasons with them. And maybe we know why, but um, but still, most underrated stat in sports is availability. So, uh, Brad, you are up for for back to back picks. I don't have a starter pitcher yet. Well, that's going to be a problem. There's still some good starters on the board. Yeah, well, I'm going to go with Roger Clemens. Mm. Speaking of... He's uh, he's challenging Joe that, for the steroid team. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, he took my pick, man. <laughs> Were you going to pick him? Well, yeah, he's got the all-steroid team. It was, it was perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. still another one on the board for, for Joe to take if he wants to go all-steroid team. <laughs> he's uh, Roger Clemens' buddy. Oh. I don't have a center fielder either, or a left fielder. All right, let's go with. All right, uh, did we do Bernie Williams yet? Yeah, off the board. Okay. Yeah. All right, so Ricky Henderson. Off, off the, the board. board. Off the board. When did we do Ricky? I'm writing all these down. A while ago. All right. Um, the other thing about Ricky Henderson is, if anybody has a child who wants to learn how to run the bases or steal bases. Go watch as much Ricky Henderson film as you can possibly do. The man was a wizard running the bases. Sorry. Well, then I'm gonna. Can I put? Can I put? Um. You want Wally Pip on your team? You could just. You, we could no, just I don't want him. Okay. Can I put Judge in center? You could. You could. Yeah. <laughs> you it's just three outfield want. spots. You don't. We're not necessarily going right field, left field. Center. All right. All right. Um. I mean, Aaron Boone. Yeah, let's, did, Aaron Boone. Did. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's go, Matsui. Oh, so you're, you're, not, so you're taking not taking Judge. You're, you're taking no. Matsui instead. Yeah. Okay. He's like, look at the bird, look at the bird, and then hit you with the uppercut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. And he's going left. Oh. For... 
Okay. Yeah, we can specify or just three outfields. Oh, spots. that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to go with um, uh, Lefty Gomez. I'm starting rotation. Um, I'm going to put him in there. Uh, starting pitcher. Uh, he was with the Yankees for what I want to say. Well, his whole, well, except for the last year with Washington, but played 14 years in the majors. Um, there was one year actually, 26 and five that he had. Got a, I mean, that was awesome. He had a 2.33 ERA that year. That's probably his lowest ERA. Lowest so, ERA. He was really good. So here's a fu- here's a fun fact on Lefty Gomez. He won the AL Triple Crown of Pitching, which is wins ERA and strikeouts twice, mm-hmm. thirty four and thirty seven. So yeah, the man could pitch. Yes, Lefty Gomez. <laughs> and he's got a good name. Good name for for a pitcher. Yeah, I mean, is that that is that his real name? Like Lefty? Probably, or is that... probably not. I don't know. I'm looking it up. I kept looking it up. It that's the only name that comes up for him. I think back then it doesn't matter. You know, you just you, you put on whatever you. There's what are we gonna do? Look for birth certificates here. I, I think. Uh, lefty, oh, here we go. I found it. Lefty. Vernon Lewis Gomez. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Also, fun fact about Lefty Gomez: he threw right-handed. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you ask anybody who Vernon Gomez is, though, no one's gonna give you an answer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think Scott. I have an autograph of his that says Vernon Gomez. Vernon, then quote lefty. That's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna round out my outfield. Uh, I have one more slot in the outfield right now, and I'm gonna go with uh, probably one of the most underrated players in Yankees history because I'd say underrated. I shouldn't say underrated. I should say most spoken about or acknowledged because this is a guy that doesn't get a lot of play we talked about him last year. i don't remember what we were what we were doing last year we were talking about it on the on one of our shows but it's uh earl earl coombs it's uh mm-hmm. he was the leadoff hitter in uh for for really the the a lot of the 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 big teams uh in the 20s but he was the um the leadoff guy in 1927 and uh he was you know very much the table setter for murderers row so give me uh, earl coombs Yes, we um. Someone tweeted us. It was a mailbag question or something. Is that like, what it was? Yeah. Yeah, and they were like, "Hey, I was randomly looking at 1920s Yankee stats, and why is this guy never talked about?" It's because he played on the same team as Garrick and, and Ruth, so you kind of get overshadowed. But he was mm-hmm. by far the Yankees' third best player in that era. Um. Okay, so my team is rounding out. These are my last two picks. I need a first baseman and I need a relief pitcher. So for the first baseman, I'm going Tino Martinez. Tino, um, Tino in 96 to 2001, he drove in 800 runs. So that's pretty good. And then he made that little return in, in the uh, mid 2000s. And um, you remember that time it, he hit a home run in like eight straight games? Yes. And we're all like, oh, Tino's back. He's now he's the best player again. And then he disappeared. But Tino, I was always a huge Tino fan. And then for my relief pitcher, this I'm picking from the bottom of the barrel at this point. Uh, I'll go with Dave Rigetti. Hey, Rags was a was a was a class act. He was he was also another guy that's, um, he's he's part. I think a lot of the '80s Yankees get forgotten because of uh, the late '80s. But the Yankees had some damn good teams in the early '80s. And, you know, was All right, so now now the last picks here. It's everyone's last pick. So Scott, who are you taking? All right, so I need a third baseman. Um, I am going to choose. So this is. 
I gotta I gotta pick a guy that is. Um, I need some uh, some line to line guys. I have I have a good amount of power on my team. I'm happy with that. I'm 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 picking a guy that is um, that's that's gonna give me a lot of uh, a lot of base runners and a lot of line to line stuff so that he can knock people in. And not very many strikeouts. I'm going with Mr. Wade Boggs. I can't believe you're taking Wade Boggs. <laughs> <laughs> that man is a Red Sox. He's not an all-time Yankee. God damn it, Scott. We are going peak Yankees, and the man is... So you're, you're getting ass-stain on the horse, Wade Boggs, is what you're getting. Wade Boggs is going to be drinking 97 beers on a horse <laughs> with, a, with a goddamn NYPD helmet on, and that's how, we're get, that's how we're all coming onto the field for this game. I just want you to know that. He's going to be leading the charge with, with that, chugging beers, and Lou Gehrig's going to be behind him just mopping up everything <laughs> uh joe your last pick um first up tony kubek did somebody take him already was nope. he taken i don't think no. so no tony kubek he's a shortstop rookie of the year four-time all-star three-time world series champion yeah i'm going with him that's a good last pick he kind of maybe i should have taken him instead of Didi. <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing DHs. We're in the American League. Um, we can we, do we, DH. We turned it we're... off only because there's a lot of guys that didn't play in the DH era. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, the last thing Brad. we'll do after Brad finishes, Mister Irrelevant, we can uh, we'll we'll do. <laughs> we can each choose a manager. Yeah, I like that. Okay, okay. And Brad, so All you right. get our first so, pick on manager. Brad, your your final pick. All right, final pick is. Uh, going to be Aaron Judge. i got to pick Judge because um, after he, he's going to get his stuff back after coming back from the injury, but I also think that he's going to be the next Yankee captain within the next, not within, but four to five years out. Well, you have a that. problem then because you have Yogi Berra, Derek Jeter, Paul O'Neill, and Aaron Judge. There's a lot of Yankee captain material in that list. Mm -hmm. That's but, good. But everybody's going to bow down to Yogi. <laughs> to Bell. Yogi. Yeah. 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 So. And they'll bow down happily, too. That's to true. Yogi. All right. We can keep it. A lot of hustling keep... over there. It's a lot of hustling. Yeah. yeah. We can keep the order. Um, so, Brad, you can go first for who you want managing your team. Oh, Aaron Boone is definitely, definitely coming off really hot right now, man. <laughs> Aaron Boone right now. Yeah, take Aaron Boone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got to go. I have to go with Joe Torre. All right. Um, you can manage all those egos. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 true. So Joe Torre. He doesn't Joe. have to manage egos. They're all the leader. They're all <laughs> they're all like <laughs> the guys that will that don't need to be managed. <laughs> he pretty much has Joe Torre is going to sit there with his bat and do nothing on that team because they're all going to going to take care of business. That's okay. Yeah, I mean that's that's I guess that's what you need for this. Yeah. All right, Joe. Joe's up. Yeah. Um, I'm going with Casey Stengel. Mother. Yes. I mean, I mean, how can you go wrong with that? Seven World Series. Better. Yes, exactly. So I mean, Casey Stengel, and you know what? I actually seen something on Yes Network. You know how they do like the uh, Yankeeography, and they did um they did something on him where they said that he was like uh, like a joke coming in at first. He was just making like a, a lot of jokes. People weren't taking him too serious. He got that team so focused it wasn't even funny. So um, Yankees apparently got a lot of heat for the hire. 
Uh, but Casey Stengel's my guy. It's a good leader of men. Yes, good leader of men. All right. So now I am... Uh... Thankfully, Aaron Boone has not been chosen yet. That's, that's, that's good. We're going to throw it back. And uh, I am going to choose Mr. Miller Huggins, who was, uh, he knows how to obviously win titles. He was the, uh, he was the manager of the Yankees during Murderers Row, won six American League pennants, three World Series championships. He, uh, I, I like the fact that he's a hard-nosed guy, but also knows how to manage a lineup, constructing the Murderer's Row lineup. While some may say it wasn't that difficult because the guys were phenomenal and like ridiculous, uh, you, you got to have you got to put in the right mix to get that that type of production from an entire team. So I like that. I have some uh, some interesting battles I think on this team and where people could hit, and I think Miller Huggins is demanded to uh, to sort it all out. So this is this. Uh, I'm trying to decide who, how I think these manager, my manager, would possibly uh, fit with my team. It's like, do I want to go with Joe McCarthy? I mean, the man won seven World Series, or do I want to just roll the dice and have fun with Billy Martin? So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll go Joe McCarthy for those seven World Series championships. Nice. All right. So we want to quickly run down our teams. Yeah. Does everyone right? have their lit? Yeah. All right, my team is Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, Thurman Munson, Whitey Ford, Ricky Henderson, Greg Nettles, Willie Randolph, Didi Gregorius, Tino Martinez, Dave Riquetti, Dave Rigetti, managed by Joe McCarthy. I clearly have the best team. <laughs> I disagree. All right, I'll go. Uh, so my uh, my picks in order were Lou Gehrig, Ron Guidry. I don't think anybody's getting a hit because Guidry's shutting everybody down. Rizzuto, Dickey, Winfield, Gossage, Roger Maris, Earl Coombs, uh, Alfonso Soriano, and then uh, Mr. Wade Boggs, and run by Miller Huggins. Joe, who you got? I had um, Don Manley, Robinson Cano, uh, Tony Kubek, A-Rod, Posada, uh, uh, Lefty Gomez, Sparky Lyle, um, Reggie Jackson, Bernie Williams and um, you had Babe Ruth. Babe you Ruth. forgot Babe Ruth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Babe Ruth. I, I forgot that. Uh, and also, they're they're okay. managed by Casey Stengel. Yep. Nice. And Brad, I got Yogi Berra, Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter, Paul O'Neill, Tony Lazeri, Mark Teixeira, Red Rolf, Roger Clemens, Hideki Matsui. Aaron Judge, and Mr. T, Joe Torre. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to put these these uh, lists out on Twitter, and we're going to have mm -hmm. everyone out there vote, and the winner gets bragging rights and maybe something else. We can come up with a prize. Listen, if not. my team doesn't get suspended... I'll come up with a prize. If my team doesn't get suspended, we're going to break the home run record. <laughs> yeah, how'd that work out for the Yankees this year? <laughs> yeah, but hey, we can pitch here. We can pitch now because we got Lefty Gomez in there. So I don't know. All right, guys. I, I, the reason Gidry's going to shut a lot of your lineups down. I just, just, you know, good luck. My starting pitcher is Whitey Ford. I just said he's got the highest winning percentage of anyone in Cooperstown. Yeah, but we're going after one. We're going after peak. Peak, peak one guy. I feel like Gidry's got the best stuff. We're talking stuff here, like Sonny Gray, you know. 
I'm, I'm really mad that I just mentioned Sonny Gray. In this Sonny Gray. Podcast. You can't but, not mention Sonny Gray. You're obsessive. <laughs> Gidry's, Gidry's one of my top stuff guys. <laughs> yeah, he's toolsy. He's, tool, he's a toolsy lefty. Um, all right, guys, this was fun. Hope everyone out there listening enjoyed it. Brad and Joe, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.